0: So today we come back to our study. Back to our study of the book of Philippians, and it's been a while since we've been in that book, but since we have a somewhat regular service this morning, I wanted to come back to that study. And so before we can get into the text this morning, we need to remember where we are at in the text. So Paul here, he's writing a letter. He's writing inspired by the Holy Spirit to the church at Philippi. He writes this letter from prison, literally in chains from Rome. He is bound there, bound to a Roman soldier. This book has often been called the Epistle of Joy, and we see that as we go through it. And we see here in chapter 1 that he has taken joy in these believers. Why does he find joy in these believers? It's because they have been a faithful church. This church was founded by the conversion of Lydia when God opened her heart to believe in Acts chapter 16. Also, the Philippian jailer. This was the birth of this church. And Paul says here in chapter 1 that this church has supported him from the very first day. From their inception, they have supported the Apostle Paul. We know from this text that they have stood by Him in His imprisonment. They have cared for His every need, as we see from the book of Philippians as a whole. And they have shown with their lives that they believe in His mission. They believe in His work. They believe that He truly is the sent One from Christ. That He is taking the Gospel to the Gentiles, to the King, to the kings and to the children of Israel. So this church, they, they believe in the Apostle Paul. They believe in his mission. And Paul is certain that because of their fruit in their life, because of their heart's desire, because of their participation with Him in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that God had begun a good work in them. And not only did, did God begin it, we learned in verse 6 that God would accomplish what He started. And Paul was certain of this because of the gospel fruit in this church's life. He was certain of this because of their support of him and his message. We looked at the fact that it's, it's not once saved, always saved, but it is if you are truly saved, God will complete the work he began. And that is a promise from God's Word that we looked at here in this church this text, and, and Paul, he believed this to be true about this church in Philippi. That they were born of God. That they were the born again. That they were truly God's people. And they were a fruitful people. Paul, he loved them as we learned from chapter 1. And they brought him joy as he remembered them always in his prayer. Yes, he cared for them enough that he prayed for them often. And we learned that he prayed for love. That their love would abound more and more For one another. And that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. He also knows that this church, they care about Him deeply. That they have a great love for Him. And at this point in time, they would be very concerned for the Apostle Paul. They've heard the news that he is in prison. They heard that he is in trouble. He stands and he waits trial. He's been arrested. He's been turned over by the Jews to the Roman authorities. And this church is concerned for the Apostle Paul. Paul, he knows that. He knows that they are very concerned about him. They have literally sent a messenger to him, Epaphroditus, We know from chapter 2 that Epaphroditus literally risked his life to come to the aid of the Apostle Paul, to aid him in his imprisonment, to come to see how he is and how he's doing. Is he okay? Is he in need of anything? And this really, right here, leads us to this morning's text. Which we will see that Paul, he knows that this church is concerned for him. They are concerned for his chains. They are concerned for the situation that he finds himself in. And so the Apostle, he, he seeks to encourage them. He desires to remind them that there is no reason to worry or fret about him. That they can take courage, they can take heart, because Christ has overcome the world. And even in tribulation, Paul is more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He wants to remind them that even in his chains, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not bound. That even in prison, God's word goes forth and souls are saved. And even in persecution, even in suffering, God is glorified. People are saved. And God's church grows all the more. Even as Paul is in prison, Even as this church worries about the Apostle Paul, God's gospel is truly unstoppable. It will go forth and it will accomplish all that God wills. And He will save all that He desires from every tongue, tribe, and nation. In other words, Christ will have His church. 2 Timothy, Paul found himself there in a very similar situation. There, it was right before his death, there he found himself in even a worse situation, suffering for the Gospel of Jesus Christ, bound with chains, and it says there in verse 9, he told Timothy not to worry because the Word of God is not bound. And that is the same message to this church at Philippi, and that's the same message to us here today, that God... That Christ will build His church. That this movement, it is from God and it will not fail. The, The gates of hell will not prevail against Christ and His church. God's Word is not bound. That's going to be the heart of this message this morning as we look at this text. Look with me to verse 12. Verse 12, there Paul starts it off by saying, I want you to know, brothers... I want you to know. He aims to calm their worries. He aims to reassure them that even in his suffering, that God is at work. That just because he is suffering, he has not lost favor with God. We can often think that we get in a hard situation. We get in a difficult situation. We're suffering in this life and we think that because of that we've lost favor with God. But, but Paul is reassuring them that no, he's, he's still God's messenger. He's still the apostle Paul. He is still on mission and he has not lost favor with God. He's God's chosen instrument and this is not changing. Acts chapter 9, Jesus Christ Himself said about the Apostle Paul that He would take the Gospel to the Gentiles, to kings, and to the children of Israel. And this is exactly what is happening here in the Apostle Paul's life. He reminds them that in Christ, there is absolutely no reason to fret or, worried or worry. Because... Even in chains, Paul is more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So yes, it looks grim. Yes, it looks bad. Yes, it seems like injustice has happened to the Apostle Paul. It looks like Paul is suffering for no reason, no good reason at all. That he's been imprisoned by evil men. But that's not what the text is telling us in verse 12. It says there in verse 12 that that what has happened to the Apostle Paul has really happened to serve and to advance the Gospel. That's what's really happened. Yes, it might look bad on the outside, but what is God doing? Yes, the Apostle is suffering, but what is God doing? The Gospel is going forth. The Gospel is advancing in the world. The church here at Philippi, they're like, oh no. Did you hear about the Apostle Paul? Did you hear that he is now in chains? Did you hear he's chained to Roman guards? But Paul's like, don't worry. Don't worry about me. Because God is advancing the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That advancing of the Gospel, John MacArthur makes note of it. He says it it refers to a forward movement of something. Often speaking of armies or soldiers that in spite of obstacles, in spite of dangers, in spite of distraction, it goes forth. So in this text, in spite of the chains... In spite of things looking like they have ceased, like the, the gospel has ceased, because God's main messenger at the world in this time, the apostle to the churches, He is in chains. That's what it looks like from the outside. But Paul says that they do not have to worry, because in spite of all obstacles, God's word, God's gospel still marches forward. There's one more point from verse 12 that I would like you to understand. You know, Paul, he desired in his life to preach the Gospel in Rome. This was something that he was longing to do. Imagine what he thought in his mind for a minute. He's thinking, I'm going to go to Rome. I'm going to go there and I'm going to preach the Gospel. People will be saved. I'm going to plant a church. We're going to have a great time. That might be what he was thinking. But often in life... Man plans, Proverbs 16.9, man plans, but the Lord establishes our steps. That might have been Paul's idea when he goes to Rome, but what, what was God's plan for Paul in Rome? His plan was that Paul would be imprisoned. And during his imprisonment, he would then advance the Gospel through the Apostle Paul. The book of Acts at the very end tells us of this time of the apostle Paul when he was he was in Rome and he was in chains it says there in Acts 28:30 says he lived there two whole years at his own expense and he welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance as you hear those verses in Acts 20, chapter 28 you might sound you might say to yourself that doesn't sound like he's in prison That doesn't sound like he is in chains. Dr. Steve Lawson, he gives us some insight into the context to help us understand the historical situation that Paul found himself in. He says this, For two solid years, Paul was in chains. And the chains that were on him were like an extended handcuff. They were about 18 inches long. It was always attached to his wrist. It was never taken off. And the imperial guard would be rotated through this house. And at the end of the book of Acts indicates it was rented quarters. And on the other end of the chains, the Roman soldiers would attach themselves to the chain. And after their post, they would unchain themselves and the next soldier would be chained in. It was only 18 inches long, such that the the Apostle Paul was only 18 inches away from a Roman soldier for two solid years. It is a remarkable imprisonment of the Apostle Paul. And then, in there, where at least it has been calculated, several dozen of the soldiers who were rotated through his rented quarters who were connected to Paul in the closest proximity imaginable so imagine the situation where paul is writing this letter 18 inches away from him a roman guard is there chained with him and every different shift a new roman guard comes in and this went on for two solid years soldier after soldier chained to paul What did they hear right there next to Him? The good news of Jesus Christ. Being taught the things of Christ. Being born again by the power of God the Holy Spirit as they sat next to the Apostle and they heard the good news of the Gospel spoken over and over again. Verse 13 tells us that this has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard. The Gospel of Jesus Christ had become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard. So during this time, God is working through the Apostle Paul. God has put him in this place. Why? So that these soldiers would hear about Christ and Him crucified. They would hear the good news that Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. These pagan men would hear of the good news of Jesus Christ. And some have said that because of Paul's imprisonment, that even Caesar's own household had those who were saved because of Paul's preaching and teaching during this time. So Paul's conclusion, he's saying, I'm not here because of the Jews. Yes, they had me arrested. I'm not here because of Caesar. Yes, I will stand trial before him. I'm not here because of some unfortunate circumstances. He says, I am in chains for Christ. It has become known throughout the entire guard that Paul is here for Christ's sake. That it is Christ that has placed him here. As the King James Version says, it says there, my bonds in Christ. That's what Paul says. His imprisonment, he sees God's hand in it. He sees that he is there because of Christ and for Christ. He understands that this very thing that has happened to him is exactly the moment that God has called him to. It is exactly the moment that Jesus wants him to be faithful and tell others about Him. In Acts chapter 9, we learn there that that Jesus said that Paul would suffer much for his namesake, and here we see it. And Paul is faithful in that moment. So we can learn from these verses that he is writing to the Philippians to tell them, don't be concerned with my circumstances. Don't be worried about me. This is all a part of the plan. This has been God's will all along to accomplish His mission in Rome. Also, I want you to think about Paul's attitude as he finds himself in chains. You can tell that this man is a sinner saved by grace. He understands that anything that he receives from God is far more than he ever deserves. This is a man that knows that every breath in his lungs, every single morning that he wakes up is a gift from the Almighty God. It is far more than he deserves. And he desires with all of his heart to to do what God would ask of him to do to use the breath in His lungs to bring glory to His holy name. And that's what we see in this text. What's missing? There's no poor me. There's no I'm in prison, can you believe it? There's no looking for people to cry on His shoulder. There's no why God or how long, O Lord. Instead, what's He say? Don't worry about me. I'm here because of Christ. I'm here on mission for Christ. I'm here to give the Gospel to these pagan soldiers. Don't worry about me. This man has no fear of death. There's no loving his life unto death right here. There's no thinking in his heart I I better not upset these soldiers. I better not say things that are offensive to them, or I could lose my life. I could lose my head. If I say the wrong thing, no. What's the text tell us? us? Acts chapter twenty-eight. It says, "Teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance." The apostle was without fear in this situation, and he knew in his heart that God had called him to this, and that God would that had and God had given him breath for this very moment and that he had life, and that he would continue to have life as long as the Lord was to use him in this world. And we can see that with his boldness and his willingness to say the hard things in a hard situation. You know, another thing to take away from this text right here, as we look at it, Paul says the advance of the Gospel is going forth. Don't worry, church. The advance of the Gospel is happening. And not only did it bless Rome, not only did it it bless those people around Paul in his day, it still blesses us to this very day. According to the ESV Study Bible, in God's sovereignty, Paul's time in prison was not wasted. For it was during his Roman imprisonment that he wrote the letters of Ephesians, the letter of Philippi Philippians, The letter to the Colossians and Philemon. So, not only to the guard, not only to the Roman Christians, not only to his opponents, as we will see here, but also to the world. Also, the good news the gospel has advanced to you and me to this very day through this man's faithfulness during his imprisonment. Paul continues. The Gospel, it's advancing to the Imperial Guard, but he tells us in verse 14 also that most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, and they are much more bold to speak the word without fear. John MacArthur, he says of pers- persecution, this is, a, this is something that Christians should know and learn. John MacArthur says about persecution that it does not destroy the church, but it makes it stronger. It does not destroy the church, but it makes it stronger. And that's what we see from verse 14. What would we think would be the natural reaction to your leader being put in chains? Paul's in prison. What would you think would be the natural inclination of man? I dare not preach. I dare not speak. Because I don't want to be arrested like Him. You might think that would be the case. But it's not. Actually, what takes place is when the brethren, when they see another brother or sister in Christ suffering for Christ's sake, when they see someone cherishing Christ above all, even to the point of death, when they see the people of God conquering in the name of Christ, this lights a fire of zeal in the hearts of fellow believers. That's what this verse is teaching us. And really, we see this throughout history. Here in verse 14, Paul's saying most of the brothers speaking about the Roman believers, they are now confident. They are now willing to speak up. They've been inspired now because Paul is in prison to be even more bold. They were bold before. Now they're even more bold. And they speak the Word without fear. Think of it from their perspective. They're looking into that that situation. They're looking at what the Apostle Paul is doing. They're looking at his faithfulness and they're seeing how God is blessing it. They're seeing Paul's boldness and they're seeing how God is, is working through that. They see those pagan, godless soldiers coming to Jesus Christ. And it inspires them to do the same. It inspires them to be bold. It inspires them to proclaim the Word of God without fear. So because of Paul's example, these men no longer are fearing those who can kill the body. But they're fearing the one who can kill both body and soul in hell. They are fearing God, not man. And they are not in, in fearing imprisonment or death. Because they know from the Apostle Paul that in the face of persecution, if they are faithful, God will bless their work. And they've seen that. They've seen it firsthand in his life. And I'm going to tell you this morning, this is the way it's always been. If you study church history, you will see that this is the way it's always been since the very start of the church You study the church, you study Christianity, you will know that it has grown. The Gospel has gone gone forth by the suffering, by the blood, by the persecution of faithful Christians who are willing to endure for Christ's sake. We even see that all over the world right now. That when the world tries to squash, when they try to stamp out Christianity, it grows all the more. It, It emboldens believers. Gives them that desire to speak the word without fear. Paul, he now moves on to a third way that his imprisonment has been a benefit. A third way that this situation has been a benefit. He says in verse 15, some people indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. He says in verse 16, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. And in verse 17 he says, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So what can we learn from this? We see this from this text that his rivals have desired to destroy his ministry. They're desiring to discredit him. They're desiring to show that he is now irrelevant Because he is in chains. And so, in hopes to further discredit the Apostle Paul and discourage others from following him, they preach. They preach out of envy. It's kind of surprising. Something to note about this verse this is not a false gospel, these men are not heretics. These men are those who preach the true gospel, but they do it for wrong motives. You might say, why do I believe that they're not false teachers? Well, Paul in his letters, he always calls out false teachers. He never fails to. And he would do that right here if they were. One commentator put it this way. Paul's attitude went like this. If you preach the true gospel, I don't care what your motives are. If your motives are bad, God will deal with you. But at least the gospel is preached. But if you preach a false gospel, I don't care how good your motives are, you are dangerous and you must stop preaching. Your false gospel and good motives don't excuse your false message. From his letters, we can learn that Paul had absolutely zero tolerance for false teaching. Why? Because it damns souls. Why? Because it's dangerous. And that's not the case here. These men were preaching the true gospel of Christ and Him crucified. They were adding no works to it. They weren't saying, yes, you need Christ, but you also need to be baptized. They weren't saying, yes, you need Christ, but you also need to be circumcised. They were, tre- they were teaching and preaching the true Christ from Scripture. This was not a message about a false Christ. This was the true gospel. As we say that, we know that the apostle, he would never desire that these men would lead or even teach in the church. We know that from his other letters when he gives the qualification of ministers. But nevertheless, here, he, is, he can rejoice because the true gospel is preached. And that's what verse 18 tells us. Verse 18 says, what then? The Apostle Paul, he says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Paul rejoices. In the situation he found himself in, he, he sees the mighty hand of God at work. It's a beautiful thing to him. Yes, the situation is less than ideal. But people are hearing the Gospel. Christ is proclaimed. Souls are being saved. And the cause of Christ is going forth in the world. And so Paul, he rejoices. It's an amazing thing to think about. So we've looked at this text this morning. What can we take away from it? How can we apply this to our lives? Well, we know that the circumstances, they seemed bleak. They seemed wrong. But Paul knows that God is at work in them. That it was for the Gospel. Is your tragic circumstance an opportunity for you to be faithful? Is your tragic circumstance an opportunity for you to be obedient to the call of Christ? To the commandments of Christ? Think about how we often face adversity in this life with grumbling and complaining. But where should our hearts be? Shouldn't we be willing to see that God has us in our current situation on purpose? That He has us there for a reason, that He's sovereign and in control. And if you are His, His desire is, for you to be like Paul in this text. For you to be faithful no matter where you find yourself in life. If the situation is impossible and difficult, God is saying, be faithful. God is saying, be obedient. God is saying, see Him in the midst of the struggle. See His purpose and plan in everything that you go through in life. Be willing to be faithful in difficult situations. Be willing to see God's hand in your sufferings in this life. And know that joy in these moments or a zeal for God in in these moments or a, a zeal for His mission in these moments in the face of adversity will have a lasting fruit not only in your life, but in the people's lives that are all around you. That's what we see from this text. Think about the fruit of Paul's faithfulness in this situation. It is fourfold. It is astonishing. Soldiers are coming to Christ. Men that have no clue who God is. Who live is the most pagan lifestyle you can imagine. They are coming to Christ because of the Apostle Paul. The Gospel is being preached in Rome all over this pagan land because of Paul's faithfulness. Four books of the Bible were written, inspired by the Holy Spirit during this time that we still grow from this very day. That souls are still saved through to this very day. And even His opponents, even those who had evil intentions towards Him, were preaching the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The fruit of Paul's suffering here, it should truly amaze us. It should inspire us this morning to be faithful in difficulty. Instead of complaining and grumbling and whining and wondering, why God? Why do You have me? You need to be faithful in difficulty of life. And I'm going to tell you, your faithfulness in difficulty in persecution, in suffering, in sickness. It will inspire others to do the same. That's something else we've learned from this morning. It will inspire others to do the same. It will produce fruit in this world that we live in. In every circumstance of life, there is work for the believer to do even if you're, you're on your deathbed and you have one last word to say, please, make it for the glory of God. In every circumstance of life, there is work for the believer to do. Paul's imprisonment was a part of God's plan to advance the Gospel. Are you able to accept that God will use difficulty in your life for His purposes and His plan in this world. What if He put you there? What if He put you in that situation that you're struggling with right now? We often waste our suffering with grumbling and complaining. But I want you to think about this text this morning. God did not waste Paul's suffering. We can do the work of God wherever we are in life no matter what we are going through. God desires for us to be faithful to Him. We can find joy in the trial as the Apostle Paul did here. You might say, how? Because God is that great. He is worth whatever we would go through in this life. His name is worthy of praise no matter what. His mission is worth fighting for no matter what you face in life. And I'm going to tell you, whatever is done for Him in this life, it will have a weight it will have an eternal weight to it and for that we can rejoice rejoice because god has counted you worthy to suffer for christ's sake do we think like that do we think like that this morning that christ has he has counted you worthy to suffer for his name's sake And I'm going to ask you, wouldn't it be great if you found yourself in the midst of one of the most difficult trials in your entire life? People call you. People talk to you. And instead of being a victim, instead of being down and depressed, you are like, I can rejoice. I can see the hand of God in this. I can see what He's doing in my life. I can see how He desires to use me in this situation. I can, like Paul, rejoice. What a beautiful thing it would be If the church could take this message to heart, that even in imprisonment, the Apostle Paul, he rejoices. And it's a beautiful thing. Can we take this to heart this morning? I'm going to tell you right now that the growing secularism in this society, you need to take this to heart this morning. Because there might be a day where you're in chains for Christ and you're going to need to rejoice. You're going to need to remember this. And you're going to need to be used by God and be faithful in that situation. Because there is a growing number of people that hate Christians in this country. And the more they grow, the more hostile they grow, the more likely it will be that if you name the name of Christ, you'll be put in chains like the Apostle Paul. Can we take this to heart this morning? Will we be those who are willing to glorify God even in suffering? The last thing I want to say is this. The gospel will go forth. The question this morning is, will you be a part of it? It will go to the nations. It will reach every ear that God intends God will save all that He wishes. Christ will have the full reward for which He died. The Gospel will go forth. Will you be a part of it? While people of God are bound, His Word never is. While the secular nations, the secular world might desire to silence this message, it cannot and it will not be stopped. It will go forth. The question this morning is, are you going to be a part of that mission? Are you going to be a part of taking this good news to the nation? Are you going to be a part of the Great Commission? Are we going to be a part of that commandment of Christ in Matthew 28, 19? Where he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded of you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is going to happen. You could take that to the bank. The the history has already been written. We know the way it ends. The gospel will go forth. Are you going to be a part of it this morning? Are you going to be faithful in your life to God and his mission? I sure hope so.